Hi, my name is Antoinette Londejean, and I'm I'm thrilled to be here with Jason Stanley of uh, Misty Cliffs Premium Non-Alcoholic Wines. Jason is the uh, CEO and founder of Misty Cliffs, uh, based in South Africa, and with a long history uh, of making some of the world's greatest wines in South Africa. It's brilliant to see, Jason, that you have started this project that is introducing a new category, new in the mainstream of wine, as we learned last week, non-alcoholic wine is not new uh, to the world, but new in mainstream. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your background in wine, Jason? Sure thing, uh, Antoinette. Well, great to be here with you today and to talk about this exciting sector of the wine industry. Um, seems like every week there's a new report coming out of AC Nielsen or some other industry body that this sector of the industry is growing and so as someone that's been in the wine industry for about 20 years it's it's exciting to be part of this uh, non-alcoholic wine sector um so yeah great to be here and talk to you about about non-alcoholic wines and a little bit about misty cliffs um my background is about 20 years ago i got on an airplane and i flew from cape town south africa where i'm speaking to you from today and I emigrated to the Northeast, to Boston, Massachusetts specifically. And I got into work with the top South African wine importer. We imported about 20 different uh, wine estates from places like Stellenbosch or Swartland or Constantia that um, many of your customers will have heard of. And that's how, that's my background. That's how I got into the wine industry and I've been involved kind of ever since. Well, that certainly gives you an amazing perspective on how uh, non-alcoholic wine would have been received. Uh, can you tell us about how Misty Cliffs came about? Sure. So, um, you know, I, I, I grew a, a deep appreciation for wine uh, over those years working in the wine business. And um, I, I got to come to this love of wine where... I think wine's got a magical quality. It can it can enhance good conversations with friends. It can enhance a meal. You guys have just been through Thanksgiving in the US. You were mentioning before the Zoom, and I think to have a, a beautiful uh, bottle of wine on the table with friends and family, you know, that's there's a magic that w wine can provide to those occasions. Be the, those those beautiful conversations or the, enhancing a beautiful meal. Um, but in my wine job, I, I traveled a lot. For my work and I drank a little bit more and I consumed a little bit more wine than the average person. So a typical work week would be I'd fly from Boston, Massachusetts to Los Angeles on a Monday and then Tuesday and Wednesday I'd be running around to different lunches, different dinner events and different tasting events with various wine buyers during the day and then Thursday morning I'd get up, fly to San Francisco, go and meet with the buyer for Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, wherever it might be, wine groups. And there was a lot of consumption of alcohol involved. Um, you know, sometimes we'd spit, but you also drink some wine with various of the buyers. Anyway, Friday would roll along and I'd get back on a plane to fly to Boston and the text messages would fly in from our friends and say, hey, it's Friday night, we're going to hit the town. And I could keep up for a few months, maybe even a few years, but I got this longing after some time to to sort of still go out and socialize with my friends, but I wanted a, a high quality beverage that still tasted good when I went out to those social occasions with my friends. 
And it, it kind of sat in the back of my mind for years and years. And, you know, and eventually I started trying to do an alcoholic wine at about 2015 in California, where I've been living for the past few years. And I, I spoke to my friends up in Napa, the winemakers, and I said, come on, we've got a, there's an opportunity here for non-alcoholic wine. I wanted the product. Let's do something here. And I just couldn't get it right. We couldn't find the right base quality juice. And so we, we pivoted and we tried a non-alcoholic cocktail. And we kind of got the, we, we got the liquid right. We got the, the beverage right. And we launched it in 2017, right before the pandemic hit. And we got it into Whole Foods and a couple of other big customers. And then the pandemic hit all of a sudden. And so we thought we got to talk to our customers. And so I conducted a lot of interviews on Zoom, kind of like if you were a, a purchaser of St. Ivy, I'd say, hey, Antoinette, why are you buying this non-alcoholic cocktail? St. Ivy, what, what do you like about it and how can we make it better? And the feedback that we got, instead of, you know, this is why I'm I'm purchasing the non-alcoholic cocktail this I can make it better I kept hearing we, we like it Jason but we really just couldn't find a good non-alcoholic wine and that's why we bought your non-alcoholic cocktail and so we thought you know we've got to revisit this non-alcoholic um, wine situation and so I asked all my friends around the world you know who's making the best non-alcoholic wine in the world at the moment and it kept hearing a name Reg Holder Reg Holder from my native South Africa and I was in California and Reg and I got on a couple of Zooms and uh, they, I think that there's a concept in the business books called Who Luck. Well, I, I had a lot of Who Luck with Reg. He's a really stand-up guy. He's been a winemaker for 20 years. He launched his own brand, Lautus, about seven or eight years ago. It's in 20 countries. We import it into the US and Canada. It does very well. And we started talking two or three years ago about um, Misty Cliffs. And, and so he's our winemaking partner and and that's the... That's the birth of Misty Cliffs. Uh, that's the story of, of how we came to be. Incredible. And what a, a series of uh, events to lead up to the union of you and Reg. Um, and you you touched on how to drink, what the situations are uh, that come about where you're enjoying wine uh, around the Thanksgiving table uh, with colleagues if you're in the wine trade. Um, so outside of really wine trade consumption, which uh, I'm, I'm noticing is increasing uh, among uh, trade members, who are the consumers of non-alcoholic wines for the most part? And how are they in integrating non-alcoholic wine into their day-to-day -day lives? Mm. It, great, interesting question. And I have sort of evolved in my thinking and answering this question over time as we've gained more insight from industry studies and from seeing online who's purchasing our, our non-alcoholic wine. So, I mean, it's a very broad market. You know, there's not like 20 to 30 year olds or 50 to 60 year old women. It, it's very broad. It's from ranges from 20 to age 70. I'd say if you were going to try and narrow it down, there's a slightly larger consumption group for our wines anyway, in, in sort of highly educated females in the 45 to 55 bracket but I, I don't want to pigeonhole it's very broad it's a broad range of ages it's generally quite well educated people we're seeing um, for whatever that's worth and a, a little more uh, probably two-thirds female over male but um, that's it's a it's a very broad range of people and then 
um, in terms of when they're drinking and how they're drinking, those people, again, very broad range of answers to that um, type of question. So, so we've got, we refer to them as, um, as bookend drinkers. Um, so you, you mentioned the Thanksgiving dinner, or I mentioned you, you had the Thanksgiving dinner with, with friends and family. The story I hear, hear from the bookend drinkers is I used to go out to dinner and I used to have three or four glasses of Sauv Blanc. I'd pay eight, nine, ten bucks a glass. Now what I do is I use your Misty Cliffs Sauvignon Blanc as a bookend. I have one Sauvignon Blanc from Misty Cliffs. Then I have a $14, $15 glass of French Sauvignon Blanc or Marlboro Sauvignon Blanc. Um, and then I have another Misty Cliff Sauvignon Blanc. So they're using them as bookends. They're mixing them into their alcoholic drinking. Um, or or there's, there's the Tuesday sushi crowd who, who um, are having a lovely meal on a Tuesday. They're professionals. They don't want to drink their sushi with LaCroix or Spindrift, and they choose a, 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 an alcoholic wine because they want to elevate that special meal. Or there's the pregnant and the and the um, the you know the driving drinking and driving and and exercise those kind of people. I think that the interesting one for me, though, Antoinette, is eighty five percent of people to ninety percent of people that purchase non alcoholic wines also purchase alcoholic wines. And I used to think it was the other way around. I used to think it was the eighty twenty rule. You know, eighty percent of people that are buying this are just stopping drinking. That's not the case at all, and that's that's becoming more and more ubiquitous today, which is is very interesting to us. So yeah, that's that's a little bit about who's drinking, when they're drinking, how they're drinking it. It's um, there's all sorts of different stories. I mean, you know, old the other day I was at one of our top clients, Boisson. They're a big online buyer, and they were saying there's an elderly woman in an old age home and she buys a case a week and she drinks it with her friends in the old age home because they've had such good times drinking alcohol and they want to still have those good times. So lots of different uh, drinking occasions and target market. You know, it must be uh, a point of curiosity uh, for people to, to, to walk into a, a wine shop and see a non-alcoholic section, a growing non-alcoholic section, or starting to see non-alcoholic wines on fine dining wine menus. Um, and especially, I, I can imagine when you're traveling to promote Misty Cliffs, um, it, you must receive a lot of curiosity from, from trade members and potential clients. So what? where is the curiosity? What are the kind of questions that you receive? What are people trying to understand most about non-alcoholic wine? Well, it's, again, there's a variety of different questions, and it is interesting for me, how the level of interest has grown. So I'm also in the alcohol, the regular alcoholic wine business. And five or 10 years ago, if I went out to my friends and I said, you know, I'm in the wine business and I'm also in the non-alcoholic business, the people always say, tell me about your alcoholic wine. These days when I go out and I say, I'm in the wine business, which I am still in the regular alcoholic wine business, and I'm also doing non-alcoholic wine. People go, tell me about your non-alcoholic wine. That's the new sort of interesting topic to talk about. And... Um, you know, when, when I'm traveling around um, into retail shops or into restaurants, um, I mean, you mentioned restaurants, Antoinette. So last week we had an email from a Michelin star restaurant in Southern California. And, and I said, please, can you send us samples of your wines? And I said, fantastic. We'd love to. I said, I'm curious why. They said, we're getting more and more requests 
from our customers. We've got a, a pairing menu of eight courses with alcoholic wines, but more and more of our customers are also interested in a non-alcoholic pairing. They don't, they want to enjoy the fine dining, but they want the elevated experience. Um, so, so the, and then there's a question just around food pairings. So a lot of people will say to me, how do I pair your Sauvignon Blanc? How do I pair your Cabernet Sauvignon Merlot with, with food? And it's a good question. I, I had to go back to Reg. I say, hey, Reg, what do, what do I tell these people about the Sauvignon Blanc? He said, Jason, it's the same as the alcoholic version. So if you're having your Sauvignon Blanc, it's going to go well with seafood. It's going to go well with salads. It's going to go well with uh, spicy Asian foods. If you're having a Cab Merlot, it's going to go well with red meats. It's going to go well with tomato-based dishes, pastas. Um, so that's a, a, another basic frequently asked question we get. Um, I guess another question we get is around some, some of the more nuanced nomenclature and terminology where people say, what's the difference between de-alcoholized wine and a wine proxy? Um, so the difference there is that a de-alkalized wine has started out as a regular wine. So it's been grown in the vineyards, like you see behind me and you, and it's been, you know, vinified and, and it's come out as a, as a regular wine. And then it's gone through a dealkalization process. There's a couple of ways you can do that. So it's gone through the dealkalization process. And then it's a dealkalized wine. A wine proxy is, is slightly different. They'll start off with a base liquid. It can be uh, tea, it can be water, it can be concentrated juices, whatever it might be. And then they add different bits and pieces to that product and they make a an alternative to the regular wine. So that's the difference between a, a proxy and a dealkalized wine. I think... I personally think like um, wine, you get good examples, uh, you get average examples, and you get not so good examples of of dealkalized wine and of um, proxies. But yeah, those are some of the um, the frequently asked questions we get. Right, and I imagine uh, all with all of your background study before launching Misty Cliffs, and then of course your studies uh, during production to navigate the waters of how much to produce and where to export to, that you really have your finger on the pulse as to where uh, the sales trends of non-alcoholic wines are. And so if you could touch on us, uh, touch on that uh, a little bit for us and explain how things have morphed uh, since the launch of Mystic Cliffs and where we are today. Mm. Yeah, it, it's. I'll give you my personal anecdotal answer to that and i'll give you the ac nielsen for the for the stats geeks um you know when we launched non-alcoholic wines in the u.s three maybe three years ago four years ago now i forget the exact date but i thought it wasn't going to work i thought i said to the consumers i said you're not going to pay 17 to 27 dollars a bottle for a premium non-alcoholic wine because the options on the shelf from <clears throat> california for eight, nine, $14. Why are you going to pay so much more for a premium wine? They said, Jason, we just want something that tastes good and we'll pay more for it. Don't you worry. So I thought, oh, I've heard this a few times again. Let's try one container. Before we got the container from Cape Town to New Jersey, which takes about three weeks, we pre-sold the container before it got halfway. So we said, okay, send another two. We pre-sold those other two. So, it, you know, anecdotally, it just, it, it just worked for whatever reason. Um, statistically, AC Nielsen just re released another report in the last month and the growth on non-alcoholic products, this is not um, wine exclusively, it includes beer 
and wine and non-alcoholic spirits. Beer's the biggest section sector, um, wine's the second biggest sector, and, and alcohol is the uh, spirits are the, are the third biggest sector. But the, the growth's at about 32% over the last 12 months. Uh, that's off of a relatively speaking much lower base than alcohol. So 32% on a base of about $530 million. But that $530 million has gone from 200 to $530 million over three years. So that's very big growth over the last couple of years. Very steep growth curve. Alcohol overall is at about 1% growth over the last 12 months, but off of a much, much bigger base, $60 billion. Um, but the trends are here to stay, we think. Um, I, you know, you, you would have heard of the WSET, the Wine and Spirits Education Trust, which is the largest educator of wine sommeliers at restaurants. I had a LinkedIn message the other day from one of their students saying, do you know what the thesis topic this year is for wine sommeliers at the WSET in level four? And I said, no, he said, it's non-alcoholic wine. So to me, that just means that, you know, you're training a lot of the top sommeliers in the world on the subject of non-alcoholic wine. You've got a lot more great products coming through. Um, I mean, you've interviewed the likes of of lights and Gieson and and other products, you know, other top quality producers. There's continuous innovation coming into the market. There's new products. We, we really think that the, the trend is is on the up, and it's probably going to continue. So it's a it's a fun place to be. And it sounds like it's something uh, that you you intend on and part of the sector that you intend on staying in, do you intend also on perhaps uh, growing the uh, line of Mystic Cliffs? Or how do you see Mystic Cliffs in the next 10 years better yet? Yeah, uh, look, it's to be honest with you, it's it's been such a fun place to be because the at heart and my background is in sales. And us lazy sales guys always love a product that sells itself. Uh, you know, I, we love drinking great wine and we drink plenty of great wine, be it non-alcoholic or alcoholic. But when we find these products that just have a really fit a consumer need and an unmet need, it's a really fun place to be. So with, with us, with Misty Cliffs, we really just want to, it's something that Reg keeps harping on at me about is let's just keep the quality high because if we do that, we're not going to have a problem. You know, when we ran out of the Sauvignon Blanc, six months ago and I was out of stock. I said, Reg, come on, can't you just go and find some Sauvignon Blanc somewhere we need it? He said, no, we're waiting till the next vintage. We're going to wait for the proper quality to come in and then we're going to launch. So it's really just about keeping the quality high and and trying to service the US market. Um, you know, the US market is, Reg is in 20 countries for, for Lautus. We're in a, just a, one or two countries for Misty because we really just want to serve the US and Canada extremely well with our four SKUs we got in the market. I don't know that we'll extend to more SKUs than the four we've got. We, we're kind of happy with the four that we've got. Um, we may we may look at one or two other another brand at a different price point in the future. That's that, that is something we're speaking about with one or two customers. But for a moment, we we're just interested in expanding our base in, in the US and Canada and keeping the quality high and servicing our existing customers very well. And the bottlings that you do produce are absolutely brilliant and they are premium quality i fell head over heels in love with your sauvignon blanc which is what led me to reaching out to you and i'm again so delighted that you were able to take the time from your busy harvest schedule over there where you are in uh, south africa and join us uh before we say goodbye to everybody are there any last words you'd like to share with us 
Well, thanks again. It was a great opportunity and a lot of fun to join you today and speak about uh, this exciting topic and about Misty Cliffs. Uh, I just want to say thank you very much to all of the customers that have uh, been supporting us so far. We're very grateful for the wonderful support. Uh, and if anyone wants to look up our wines, they can look them up on Misty Cliffs Wines with an S on the end, uh, dot com, uh, or Instagram handle is Misty Cliffs Wines. We're available nationwide on our website, on Amazon, on leading websites like Boisson. I think they've actually got a 10% off special for December. Uh, but yeah, our contact details on the website and we'd love to hear your feedback. And thanks again, Antoinette, and thanks for your support. It was great to be here and look forward to meeting you one day on the East Coast when I'm back in a couple of months. Brilliant. Thank you again, Jason. Thanks so much. Thanks, Antoinette. Ciao.